My precious friends, gather round your listening device and enjoy your weekly dose of mandatory redistribution party. One of the most fascinating ways in which global communications have affected society is in its ability to create new cultures. Even ordinary identities can become their own weird new cultures, thanks to the power of the Tim Berners-Lee Interconnected Pipe Network, or Internet. Mumsnet, once just a forum for mums, clearly has its own culture now that's distinct just from being a mum, because not every mum is in fact a wine o'clock transphobe. And there's no obvious relationship between liking My Little Pony and being a neo-Nazi, and yet they have merged, thanks to the distorting effect of those wicked pipes. To me, more interesting still, are cultures that could only be possible with the internet. Without the internet, a 30-year-old virgin or a guy who likes to dress as a lion would be just that. But now they're incels or furries, they're communities, cultures, and they have all the baggage that comes with that. And today, I introduce Jack to my favourite online subculture, which I consider the most fascinating and disturbing of all, Tulpomancy. I'm going to throw in a content warning with this one as well. The very nature of the topic that we're talking about means it's going to border on some issues that relate to severe mental health issues and abusive relationships. And saying that makes it sound like this episode is going to be brutal, which it isn't. But I don't want anyone having a surprise tough time with it. So there's your information. Please make an informed decision. Here is the episode. Me and you are both avid trackers of strange online communities. Oh yeah, yeah, I love them. And I'd like to tell you about my favourite one. Yes. Have I spoken to you in the past about tulpomancers? Are these people who... It's like an imaginary friend, but a little bit more extreme than that. That is the the most broad strokes way of thinking yeah. about it. So the way you know you have a tulpa as opposed to an imaginary friend mm. is that the tulpa will start doing things that you can neither predict nor control. Oh my god! So an imaginary friend, you're you know you know you're just imagining stuff, and at any point you could be like, oh, and now my imaginary friend takes out a yo-yo. Mm. But with a tulpa, you can't do that. They act almost completely autonomously of their own free will. What? And you cannot control their behaviour. What? Yeah. So is a tulpa? Is it good or is it a demon? What's the story with it? You make it. It's almost like a conceptual golem. You right. have to uh, really put in the time with it. Yeah. So did you ever? Did you have like imaginary, a tamagotchi? Do you have imaginary friends growing up? No. Really? I imagined stuff, <laughs> but I never imagined friends. I had, I had imaginary friends, and I I was too young to have the memories of having it. So I know like mm. secondhand from like my mum what my imaginary friends were yeah, yeah. and I think it was just like a generic boy and a girl who mm. felt like they were just the boy and a girl depicted in the books that 
taught me how to read. Yeah. And uh, one day, they lived in Big Ben. That was part of it. Oh, sweet. And then one day I told my mum that Big Ben caught fire and they died. <laughs> <laughs> and then I just never spoke about them again. In my head, that was like, clean sweep, they're gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a tulpa man, so if you, you have to decide you want a tulpa for the most part, maybe there's a way to them organically. And firstly, you have to you have to do a lot of like mental conceptual exercises. Mm. So you firstly you create an environment. So you go, oh, okay, in my head, a woodland glade. It's almost like you're just drawing around the outline of this woodland glade over and over again until it's like like a muscle memory. Mm. When you think of the glade, it's there and it's detailed. Right. Because you know how if I'm like, oh, picture an elephant, I I can roughly see an elephant, but I'm sort of like drawing it in my mind mm. it's not like a full complete image it's sort of a blurry elephant shape but if i think the head the head comes into more detail mm. does that make any sense does that resonate with how you're i think i just think of an elephant bang there it is 4k 4k because <laughs> <laughs> you know um some people don't have that ability at all they can't mm. they don't see pictures in their mind ah um and it affects um what? they don't see pictures in their mind so if they, if someone goes polar bear, they don't see a little, like automatically, I'm getting a little polar bear in my, yeah, yeah, in yeah, my yeah, mind's yeah, eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some I went big that, polar bear. I went for the Coca-Cola po- polar mine's bear. Mine's actually far away and I got confused. Has yours got a Coca-Cola? No, mine's see, like a quadrupedal. Brain. Mine's yeah, a quadrupedal. Yeah. Very... Mine, mine is a quadrupedal, but it also has a Coca-Cola. It has a Coca-Cola? Yeah, po- polar bear drinks Coca-Cola. Or I like grasped in its hand. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't think what you've got to pull. I think it's an advert. Yeah, it's a cool advert. My <laughs> that's, imagination that's is pretty. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. worrying. It's, it's, that's Christmas. it's Christmas time. <laughs> I'm just seeing a lot of Coca-Cola adverts, right. and it's polluted even my imagining of something yeah. from the natural world. Yeah, I've asked you to think of just a purely yeah, yeah, organic yeah. being. Yeah, and you're like Coca-Cola. Yeah, I'm going to imagine. I'm going to remember an advert. Yeah, I'm going to turn this majestic beast into a mascot. Yeah. Oh God, I'm not happy about this. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just, I'm just uh, sad with you but glad it wasn't me. Um, and so you, uh, yeah, some people don't have that faculty. Mm. It doesn't hold you back in a lot of ways. Mm. I think um, directions can be hard. Like if someone gives me a complicated route, I can sort of picture it and I can picture roots in my mind. I sort mm. of imagine, you know, me floating through the roads and remembering where everything is connected to each other. But if you don't have any mental imaging, mm. can't happen that way. Oh, right. So I guess they're locked out of the Tulper experience. It's very visual. You start off, you build up a visual thing, and then you have to make your, your person. Right? Wait, 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 wait. Can you imagine a smell? Imagine a smell right now. Uh, I can only imagine really strong smells. Yeah, I same. Hard to, I, I can't Im- imagine I smells. can imagine like an acrid smoke or like a paint smell. Yeah, or a sewer. Yeah, but I can um, imagine the subtle smell of being near a daisy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can't. But isn't, isn't, isn't smell supposed to be... One of the things that's mainly connected to memory. Yeah, but that's that's different. If you have a smell, it will connect you to a memory, but you can't remember the smell. And is the smell sense. activating a memory that's like an image or an exp- or an emotional experience? The smell isn't activating the smell. You're not remembering the smell. You're remembering the stuff the smell's connected to. That's what I. The smell's like had. a hyperlink. <laughs> I, I have a very. It's almost like a deja vu like experience mm. I have if I go. I will remember the. The temporal and spatial uh, location of what was going on mm. when I had that smell last. Mm. Have you ever had like real strong deja vu? And there's like three vus. Do you know mm. about the vus? I know deja. Deja 
presque vu and jamais vu. And right. they're three like psychological phenomena. Okay. Deja vu is the feeling that something has happened again. But it, it's like a real common misconception. Like it is a phenomenon. It's like um, a sensation. It's almost like an optical illusion of mm. the memory. Mm. You feel like something has happened to you before identically to this, but it hasn't. Mm. Like it's a strange thing your brain is doing. Jamais vu is the inversion of that. Mm. It's when something f- familiar becomes really unfamiliar. Mm. You sort of, you lose familiarity with something that's very commonplace to you. Mm. Um, that feels like it's probably a little bit more disturbing. Mm. If suddenly you felt alien, like in your own living room. Yeah, yeah. So presque vu is almost seeing. Mm. So jamais is never seen. Deja vu is twice seen. Mm. Presque vu is almost seen. And it's that feeling of knowing that you know something, mm. but it isn't in your recall. But you mm. know that you know it. It's like the tip of the tongue sensation. Oh, this yeah, is something yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It's in my brain. And I know that, but I don't know the thing. And that's weird. It's weird that I know that I have the thing in my brain, but I don't know what the thing is. I have definitely experienced that and deja vu. Yeah. But not... Jamais vu sounds like it's indicative of something much more serious. Gotta go go to the GP. It's like a guy trying to put his wife on like a hat. Yeah. Um, So with... Sorry, what? A guy trying to put his wife on like a hat? Oliver Sacks. The man who mistook his wife for a hat. This is completely new information to Okay, me. it's just a book that I thought was more widely known. Uh, it's a collection, it's a psychologist doing a collection of interesting cases across his career. And a man attempted to put his wife on as a hat. Yeah. Right. What What did she do? Did he what, Did he succeed? What? What? I don't think he succeeded. No, yeah, yeah. I don't think it's like quite as ludicrous or cartoony as you're imagining. Okay. I think um, he just sort of went out and like reached out for her as he'd reached for his hat and then was like, hang on, this isn't a hat. Oh, right. Okay. This is my wife. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. like she's lying, like, planking across yeah. the top of his head. <laughs> That's exactly what I was Good morning, doctor. <laughs> you can't uh, get through doors. Something here is amiss. <laughs> so I've gone away back to the source material to find out what exactly happened physically when the guy mistook his wife for a hat. Um, And just as a bit of background, so this guy has something called visual agnosia, which means he can see fine, his eyes are fine, but he doesn't recognise the objects that he sees. He can look at a tree and see it, he can even climb a tree. But if he looks at it, he doesn't necessarily know that it is a tree. He could put on his shoe and tie his laces, but when looking around a room, he might not be able to determine which of the objects in that room is a shoe. And he's trying to explain all that to the doctor, and it's very confusing for both of them to try and explain this concept. And when it comes to the end of the appointment, he stands up and he grabs his wife's head and tries to pull her head off and put it on his head. But she can easily explain, oh, I'm not a hat, which he calmly accepts. No one's in any danger. And another point I just wanted to check as well is that I wasn't referencing some like bizarrely niche text, but actually it's like it's reasonably well known. It's well known enough to be the subject of an opera composed by Michael Nyman in 1986, of which I will now present a short excerpt.
So Tulpa Man says, what you have to do is you have to draw in the person that you want to live in your head mm. in extreme detail over a minimum of a month right. of like concerted daily effort. Like you might have to do, spend a, uh, a day on their hand, mm. their left hand, and you think about every detail of their hand, like the blemishes, skin tone, the quality of their skin, how old are they, so how is that reflected in their skin? And you want all of that done in so much detail that when you have that muscle memory of, remember that person that you've mm. made up, they come in it in 4K. They are right. they are like truly rendered in your mind. Yeah. And then you do the same with their personality and their behavior. And this happens to such a degree of detail that when they start like behaving and talking to you, mm. you have spent such a long time like locking off like a little subroutine in your mind that just looks after what this person is. That after a while it just ticks away on its own with no effort from you. And then you have a person that lives in your head. This sounds like what um <laughs> sounds like really bizarre like writing advice. Like you should you should create a character so distinct that if when you sit down to write a story that uh -huh. features that character, the character is actually making the decisions and you simply need to note it down. I have heard that as a as a comment from writers. Yeah. A lot of like our writers Tulpamancers. <laughs> this comes up in the Tulpamancer community. Yeah. People have said that... Is Tom Clancy a Tulpamancer? People have said that some writers have had a Tulpa... And so the Tulpa is the being and the Tulpamancer mm. is their creator. Mm. Their and god. Someone's just created you. And and also the Tulpas know what, what the deal is. What? Well, the Tulpas have a lot of access to what you know. But you don't have access to what they know. Other than when your initial conjuring of their personality. A little bit is case by case, I believe. But there's a degree to which you both know that they they live in your head. Right. But um, so let me continue with like, that's like stage one. You've created a thing and now it behaves autonomously. Okay. Such that you cannot just control its behavior. Like if it disagrees with you, you can't be like flip a switch and now you agree with me again. Right? Because okay. it's different to you. It could have a different opinion to you. Right. You might not agree on the same things. The next thing you can do, and again, this requires the same level of like concerted effort, mm. is that of living in your head and you shut your eyes and you see it in whatever, the, the woodland glade, mm. you can then transpose it into the environment you're in. You can sort of beam it out. And I can go, oh, I'll put you on that chair. Like and a pokeball. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And now you're out. Um, and then once it's out, it can just like live out. Um, does it does it choose when to go back in? Case by case, right. I think. I think you that's something that must get established in however you're proceeding. There's loads of grey areas where there isn't like a one size fits all. So the only thing I'm trying to navigate what I believe to be the shared experience by the majority of talking okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And also I'm going off what like the main literature says and not yeah. the some of the fringe people who've tried to do some strange things. Um, <laughs> Revisionists. Because I think what people want, people ultimately want their Torpomancer to be in the world with them. Right. So that they can hang out. Okay. You're not really hanging out if one person's completely still with their eyes shut and mm. one person has free roam. Mm. Now we can both hang out. Okay. Then there are two things, two advanced techniques where things start getting worrisome. Is, can the top monsters make you kill people? No. Okay. No. Wait. Let's... Okay, shelve that. Shelve that. Yeah, yeah. So 
if you try really hard, again, mm. it's the same thing of like building up, you're b- tricking your brain, essentially. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You can end up feeling like you can touch the tulpen because you can make your brain feel oh, like it hits no. a sensation. Okay. Yeah, so people fuck their tulpen out. So that <laughs> People fuck their tulpos. Yeah. Um, that happens. And How is there an overlap between the tulpamancers and the bronies? Yeah. Okay. I There's yeah, overlap yeah, yeah. between... Um, so a lot of tulpers are just girlfriends. Mm. A lot of tulpers are anime girlfriends. Yeah. A lot of tulpers are just anthropomorphic animals. Right. A lot of tulpers are just like big old weird dragons that oh, don't right. look human at all. Oh, my God. Um, centaur? Some tulpers are just friends. Um, centaur, yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. So you can touch the tulpers. Because people want to be friends, but yeah, mm. there's a subset within that of people who want to fuck their tulpers, mm. and people who have made tulpers for that purpose. Oh no! Because on the tulpa community, people draw and depict their tulpers, mm. and also, so again, okay, so here's the last bit, the bit that, like, for me, when I'm saying, oh, they fuck their tulpers, I really think that's slim picking. So I'm going to tell you the real meat and potatoes here. Oh, oh my god! <laughs> when you're like got your eyes shut and you're talking to the tulpa that way, yeah, you know, you have this body that can move around and the tulpa sort of stuck in your head and the tulpa knows that and that seems unfair and you want to be friends with this thing yeah, so you yeah, want yeah. an equal relationship. Hmm. So why don't you temporarily, you, which is really, you You are just... You. Oh my God! <laughs> I've just seen what this is. Oh my God! So yeah. you go, you go into the Pokeball. You retreat into the Pokeball. Yes. 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 Yes, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my god! And mm. then the Tulpa can do the murders. Has anyone tried to make this argument in a court of law? No, I've not heard a murder thing, and it's never that got that serious. I think um, there could be people who are in. There could be Tulpas among us in yeah. the highest positions of power. So what? Like what, I don't what, know. What, what's I'm the difference so, between yeah. there being a Tulpa that's like selling you a burger or? You know, an organically formed personality. Could be a top in the House of Lords. So, but so what? Yeah, so no, what? I don't care, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested in it. Yeah, there could be, yeah, there could be a tulpa anywhere. Anywhere could be a tulpa. Yeah. So, um, so here's where things get grim. Because right. there are occasionally, and the Tulpamancer community are really pushed, like, this is safe, and they have a lot of um, connections with, it shouldn't be confused with, and they are distinct, but they obviously share some similarities, mm. of people with dissociative identity disorder. Right. Do you know what that is? That's, um, well, give me, go nutshell. So dissociative identity disorder used to be what, maybe in the, like, the 90s and mm. stuff, people would call schizophrenia, but mm. schizophrenia is obviously something else, but mm. people, for some reason, believe that schizophrenia was having multiple personalities. Oh, movie schizophrenia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But it's actually called dissociative identity disorder. It's it's really related to uh, trauma, mm. and people split their consciousness slash personality mm. into lots of distinct people who emerge at different times yeah they are like just a bunch of different people and, yeah. and, they, and they change at different times and they have slightly different personalities and that's disassociative yeah, yeah. disorder so obviously there, there are similarities there but mm. um they like very clearly both communities are saying this is these are different things and mm. we don't really identify as each other mm-hmm. um but yeah tulpas can let each other control just a body part so sometimes like you Fuck. could say, I'm all of this, but the top is like my arm. Yeah, your foot. Or you can go, your you, tongue. you've got it for the afternoon. Please let me back in afterwards. Fuck. Um, and some people go, you can make more than one tulpa. Get your tulpas so to you the clean. You can be three people. What? You can make two tulpas. Can a tulpa make a tulpa? 
Can a tulpa make... I've seen people talking about this. Can a tulpa make a tulpa? Unconfirmed, unclear, and I would say that there's a dispute in the community about that. Okay, okay. But it's it's a very valid question. Uh, But here's the question that I do not like seeing, mm. and I've seen it a few times. How do I get rid of my tulpa? (gasps) Oh, that's in chills on my spine! How do I make this thing go away? You can't burn down Big Ben, right? It's in my brain. It is now like a subroutine. I've I've relinquished conscious control over it. Mm-hmm. I don't want it anymore. And because we share a brain, it knows everything you're going to do. It knows I don't want it anymore. <gasps> <laughs> you have to create another good tulpa to kill it. Okay, the woman who swallowed a fly. Yeah. <laughs> You have to create, but how you would know you were thinking that? Yeah. Shit. You, you put it Wouldn't outside it have more your body. You can't see it with the other tulpa than it would with the human. Not if you created that tulpa yeah, from its core right. to hunt that tulpa. Yeah. Like it's like the predator. Yeah. It's genetically predisposed right. to hate that other tulpa. Yeah, tulpa. I mean, then you're getting into whole questions of like determinism, yeah. like structure and agency. Jesus. I mean, do you know the tulpa? So you made the tulpa. So has it got like weaknesses? Do you know it's got, has it got like, you know, fire is more powerful against it or whatever? How could fire, it's a purely conceptual entity. But also it raises like, once you, once you have this idea that one person will relinquish control of the body to another, you realise that who we, like I don't have a torpor, but. But it can't just take control. It's just going to be inside you angry. So it can't just take control. That's true. I don't actually, uh, maybe control is always voluntary maybe it can't muscle its way into or can it yeah or can it because i always think that actually there is a i'd say the closest thing to a tulpa in popular media is tyler durden Mm. fight club yeah that guy is a conceptual entity made by the unnamed protagonist yeah and it comes into his body when he's not when he's got no defenses against it Mm. it comes into his body and makes him do things he's not aware of and he can't get rid of it and they end up not agreeing and I think that's that is like a plausible Tulsa Tulpa relationship. I think the idea of them waking you up when you're asleep and doing stuff is like a bit far fetched. But I don't know <laughs> making you blow your brains out. <laughs> yeah, making you blow your brains out. And I don't know if you can like shut the gate on it having access to your body once you've allowed it. I don't. Mm. I don't know that for sure. Mm. I mean, have you seen specific cases where people have said, "How do I get rid of my Tulpa?" Like, what, what what is the circumstances where they've gone? Actually, this thing I created myself. I don't want it anymore. Nothing truly scary or anything. Nothing yeah. that's like, you know, nightmare fuel. Yeah. It's more like, I'd started this when I was like 17, a bit lonely. Mm. I've got my degree now and I want to start the world of work and mm. I'm settling down with a partner and I haven't told her that I have a mental entity in my head. That's that watching as fuck. That, that, that is a unicorn or it's a centaur. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, it's like having a tattoo of something you've got when you were 15 and you're it's like, a sentient actually, I don't want like a mega man with tits on my arm yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. I don't want top, yeah. top cat on my I'm neck. I'm trying to work at HSBC. <laughs> I don't want that. But imagine it's not just a tattoo on your arm. It is a friend who lives inside your head. That's conscious. That Yeah. And can make its own decisions. Mm. Drop dead Fred. And knows you don't want it anymore. A yeah. tattoo that knows you don't like it. Yeah, that knows you hate it. And could take over your body. Yeah. Oh, and relationship advice. Mm. I feel I ought to tell my partner that the person she loves is actually like a, it's two, two people or. Whoa, 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 whoa. 
But the person she loves is them, right? Unless yeah. they're switching out the tulpa into their body. That's grim. That's grim. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that's grim. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you're in a relationship and you're letting the tulpa drive, yeah, then the person you're, then you got to tell them if you like. Yeah. Listen. I think you should tell them anyway. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like if you're out on a date and there's a third person inside your head. Yeah, even if they're just watching, even if they aren't behind yeah, the driver's you wheel, to yeah, you got to tell them. Yeah, I yeah. agree. Yeah, tulpa, tulpa. But obviously, you need to tell them if. Um, yeah, if someone else has your body, no one should be like in a face-off scenario. Oh my god! Imagine being in a relationship, and then they starts they start maybe behaving a bit differently. Yeah, and it's they've been they're they're the, they're the tulpa now. Yeah, but do you and know you're trying to get the person you love back out. The tulpa's taken. The tulpa's taken over, and you're trying to get the person you love back out. The thing that's going to be harder about it as call, well is like when they go, okay, so this person lives in your head. Like, can you tell me more about them? And you go, yeah, they're a ten foot dragon named like Sephiroth, <laughs> <laughs> and it's like. <laughs> what fuck so when we're like you know if we're going to be intimate I need to just know in the back of my head that <laughs> it's being watched by, by Sephiroth <laughs> fucking hell Sephiroth's here maybe Sephiroth is like just isn't into it either <laughs> what's what's right what would you prefer you're in a relationship with someone who's got a tulpa mm-hmm. your options are sex with the person and the, you know the tulpa is there, uh-huh. and the tulpa's watching it, and they like it. Yeah. Option one. Option two, sex with the person, and the tulpa's watching, and they don't like it. What do you mean? So you, 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 they object, or they're just indifferent. They don't. They object. You've got. <laughs> they're disgusted yeah. by you. You've got. Obviously, you've got they're enthusiastic like consent. You've got enthusiastic <laughs> consent from the person yeah. you're with, but you also know that within is a tulpa who is repulsed by your very being. Yeah. You, like they're retching in the inside the pokeball. Yeah. And uh, third option is they have a tulpa and they just. Don't tell you. So there is a tulpa in there. That's but the you worst. Don't, ignorance That's is bliss. Ignorance is bliss. Yeah, but you don't, don't know. know. You don't know. Uh, or fourth option, every now and then you're fucking the tulpa. Do I know I'm fucking the tulpa? Yeah, so the last two options are every now and then you're fucking the tulpa and you don't know, or every now and then you're fucking the tulpa and you do know. Or the middle ground, where you're just told that sometimes I'll be the tulpa, but I I can't predict when it will happen and the tulpa won't tell you when and it's it switched. it could happen during sex. Oh, I don't like any of this. <laughs> no, do, that's what I'm... It's horrible! Yeah. And also, do let's not ethics. forget, some of, these, some of these kids who have made tulpas are doing it to fuck them. So, like... So, they've already... They're in a possibly a yeah, sexually rela- sexual relationship with the tulpa anyway. Yeah, so it's like... And then they've moved do on. Do you mind if my ex-girlfriend comes to every single one of their dates because... They live in my head. Yeah, fuck. They're part of my brain. That's hyper poly. Yeah. That's the next level of poly. Poly. <laughs> tulpa poly. Yeah, I'm, I'm poly with myself. I'm poly with someone I can never leave because I conjured them in my own consciousness yeah. and there is no way to remove them. And also, let's say you did remove them. How do we feel about the idea of dismantling a person? They're conceptual, but mm-hmm. then... This made me sound like mad. But like, <laughs> right. Because, like, there's a body and mind distinction, right? Mm. Yes. So, like, well, yeah, okay. You have a body no. and yeah. you have a mind. But you identify. Body and consciousness. Well, mind, mind, you don't mean the physical brain, do you? You mean, like. 
for my from what I'm talking about, the yeah. mind is like the system of thoughts that is a bit more abstract than just okay, the yeah, brain, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mind has previously referred to the soul. The mind also refers to the brain yeah, in yeah, science, yeah, 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 but yeah. the mind is like your thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you have a body and you have a mind, but you identify more with your mind than you have with your body because you can imagine living in a different body, but you can't imagine having a different mind. Mm-hmm. If I gave you a body transplant, that it makes more sense that you're still Jack than mm-hmm. if I gave you a mind transplant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you want longer with that? You look real... No, I'm in. You know, this body's just a shell, mm. and who I really am is all the thoughts and my memories and my opinions. My grim-faced uh, existential crisis reaction then was all the stuff about just how your objective self and subjective self are like filtering across. You know, like your mental health can be affected by your gut or the things you consume or your friends. So, like, object you know, the the, yeah. the, f- the physical you, the flesh and bone of you, can affect. The, the objective flesh and bone of yourself shapes continually your subjective self, uh-huh. which is fine. That's just the, dial- yeah, that's the dialectic and those two, it's a unity of opposites, right? You know, we're going back to like Descartes, mm. 17th century thought and stuff. And like, there was no understanding of the, the brain and, mm. and how it works. I mean, there's not, you know, the brain's still a mystery a lot of, in a lot of ways. But there is one uh, theory I really like, which is uh, epiphenomenalism, mm. which is saying that the mind is just... Um, a phenomenological symptom of the body and the body causes all the sensations of the mind but the mind doesn't cause anything relating to the body um so causation only goes one way from body to mind the mind doesn't affect the body and all the sensations of the mind are just like smoke that's thrown up by like the chemical sensations of the body and the mind believes it's in charge but actually it's like sort of an unnecessary side effect of us having a complex nervous system, like like having a, an appendix. It isn't actually doing anything. The body's sort of taking care of itself, working on its instincts and, and doing all its own stuff. And this is just sort of our idea that we're this abstracted mind that's controlling everything from mm. within is actually just a, a, a mistake. It's an abstraction yeah. to help you understand the world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. It's probably not true, though. We're getting really off course here. Yeah, yeah, God, yeah. But I I can conceptualise of myself as just uh, a mental entity. Your thoughts and desires and emotions experiences. So I I can imagine myself going in the Pokeball, being a brain in a vat, and the Tulpa coming out. And if the Tulpa can go in the Pokeball and go back out of the Pokeball, and I can go out of the Pokeball, and I can go back in the Pokeball, can I say I'm real and this is just fiction and I can just kill it? Well, can't it kill you? Oh, that's the true test, right? Mm. If you've made a good enough tolper. Listen, if it can kill, can kill if you, if it can kill you, then it's immoral to kill it. Because it because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. because it is of the same consciousness as you. Yeah. But if you if it cannot kill you, then, then you, you can. <laughs> If you can't well, no, kill you can't, me, but I it, could kill but, you. But it's more I'm not saying you could, but I think I would be more open. Obviously, if it's exactly if it's equal to you, yeah. then there can be no justification for killing it because it has it, there's nothing about it that's not also true of you. So yeah. if you can't make a distinction between it and you, yeah, then it it should have all the same rights as you. Yeah, so that's the line. Can it kill you? Can it kill you? Can a tulpa dismantle you? But it won't because you have all the same things. It you know, it's wait, hold on. It knows all your thoughts because it's conjured from within your own mind. Yeah. But it's independent. Do you know its thoughts 
because there it actually is potentially more powerful than you. I don't know enough about Tulpa law. I think it varies, and I think there's different degrees to how you construct it. I think you may be able to lock off your memories or not and choose that. But I think you could be in a scenario mm. where you have access to each other's thoughts, and you can be in scenarios where you don't. Okay, okay. It really is just how you build it. Do you think that's the line, then? If it, can, if it could occupy your body and then delete the Pokeball that you're in, that is when it comes a line where it would be ethically wrong. I actually you. don't. Because okay. I think there's a compelling reason for why not. Yeah. Because even if you are have all the same properties, there is like one, there's going to be one distinction, which I don't think is important to whether or not it has rights, but it affects who can kill who, mm. uh, which is that you created it. So it's because you, you put it together, you might know how to unravel it again. Mm. You might know how to undo that work. But that tulp has never created a consciousness. And it definitely didn't create you. So it might not have the ability to undo that work because it it, it didn't have a hand in putting you together. Mm. So it might still be as alive as you, as a, as a mental entity, but not be able to kill you, but it's still not okay to kill it, I think. So you you have the capacity to destroy is, is also a function of the capacity to create. You have both. Because you can create, only you can destroy. <laughs> but But you shouldn't. But I don't even know if you can destroy. Like, these threads about how to get rid of tulpas. Can or should? As in, like, you want to destroy it. Is it ethical to? But these are different people. Like, I, I, I'm just moving it to, like, the side issue. We're still on can. I've just moved. We were on should. Yeah. And I'm just, just dipping into can. Okay. Toes in. So I don't know much about how you would because I'm not sure if it's possible. Because, right. because there are so many questions about how do I do it and people sort of speculate around it. There, there isn't, and it isn't written in. Like there's a, there's a trunk of literature written about how to do this, mm. and it's all just online. It's all built around like a couple of communities who've sure. like, written a lot about it. Mm. There isn't like the heading of, and how do I now stop? And so it just comes up with people on forums going, and how do I not have this now? Mm. And it's like not clear. So there's yeah. no stand in a dark room, say the thing's name three times. You wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I would do that. Yeah. Sephiroth. 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 Like, the idea about it is that you made it when you were 14, now you're 22, and that's, like, one of the funniest, funniest things to me. Like, you have to live with it. You have to live with with a character that you thought would be cool when you were 14, and they're still your best friend. Yeah, God, think about the person you are when you're 14. And who they would, like, really think is cool. <laughs> yeah. You are, your tulpa is Graham Linehan. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oops. Yeah, David Beckham, but with Cloud's Buster Sword. <laughs> so after I recorded that conversation with Jack, I went away to do a bit more research and shore up some of my answers on things where I wasn't entirely certain of them during the recording. So below, I offer a few pieces of new information and a few pieces of clarification. Number one. Tulpas do not grow old. If you're 16 and you create a tulpa who is also a 16-year-old or has the mind and mentality of a 16-year-old, they're not going to age. I read an account of someone who made a tulpa that was four years old. Now, they are considerably older, but that tulpa is still four years old. Some people's tulpas do age in some respects. Very few change physical appearance, but they do still experience things. 
they have memories, they learn things. So maybe their personality will alter or they will mature. But for a lot of people, the tulpa is just an immutable form. And the way you made it when you created it, it will be that way permanently. Number two. Tulpas can create other tulpas. All you need to create a tulpa is a mind. And a tulpa is just a mind. So they can just follow the same process you do. And then there's going to be other tulpas. Number three. Switching. That's the act of swapping bodies with your tulpa. Some guides talk about meditation techniques. You focus on your mind and then you disassociate your mind from your body and leave enough of a gap for another mental entity, should another one exist inside your brain, just to sneak in there and snap up your body. Apparently, you practice this enough, you and your tulpa have equal access, equal claim to the body. It is even possible for you and your tulpa to struggle and fight over who gets to control the body. Number four. They can abuse you and they can hurt you. It is possible to develop a toxic relationship with your tulpa and hate each other. And obviously once that happens, you can't leave the room, you can't leave the house. I mean, you can, they'll still be there. They're in your brain. And yes, there are incidents where tulpas can switch and have harmed the host's body as revenge or out of dislike. Number five. Getting rid of a tulpa is possible. The process is called dissipation. The easiest way to approach it is with a big symbolic gesture. Either in your mind's eye or by just going there, you could take your tulpa to a train station or uh, an airport and do a fond farewell and give them a hug, say goodbye and watch them board their vehicle. And then you move on with your life and your brain knows that's a goodbye. Time to lock off some of those ideas. However, you might go back home and find your tulpa is still there. You might find that they do not go gentle into that good night. The other option is to try and phase them out. You have to basically try and ignore them, deprive them of any of the brain energy that fuels them. That is very easily circumvented by a tulpa that does not want to die. They are in your brain. They can force you to pay attention to them. They can move metaphorically directly into your field of vision. They are independent of you. For that reason, some people find removing a tulpa difficult to impossible. Now, within the community, there are two bones of contention which come up. The big one is whether or not creating a tulpa should be considered dangerous, and to what degree new tulpamancers need to be warned by older tulpamancers the dangers inherent in what they're doing. And then the smaller one, which doesn't really come up as much but is still there, is whether or not creating a tulpa is immoral. Now the community, which is broadly made up of enthusiastic tulpamancers who love tulpamancy and want to talk about it on a forum, they, surprise surprise, always manage to build a majority consensus that it is both safe and ethical whenever these issues should raise their head. To the question of danger, they really emphasise that the host is in control. They don't deny that there are extreme cases where tulpas have maliciously taken over their hosts or have caused them mental distress. People have been trapped with abusive entities living inside their head. But these, they explain, these are results of pre-existing mental health issues or some kind of improper use. If you'd followed the guides or uh, you should be mentally well before you get a tulpa, if you'd done all that, none of this would happen. Which all feels obviously very victim blamey. If something goes wrong, there can be no fault to be derived from our guidance or the very nature of the thing we're doing. It has to be because you had a bad brain or you didn't follow our instructions. 
But overall, the emphasis is that the host is in control. In a good, functioning Tulpa host system, the host has overall power and therefore simply can't be at risk. As for whether Tulpamancy is immoral, because you've created a being that lives inside you that's entirely at your mercy, the defence is always that, no, hang on, we're equals. In a good functioning Tulpa host system, the Tulpa has equal claim to the body and mind. So there's no hierarchy. And if there's no hierarchy, there's no exploitation. And that to me seems to leave the verdict about all this stuff in a very precarious place. If it's not dangerous because the host has ultimate power, then it's immoral, right? Because you've created this slave that lives in your head. Or if it's perfectly above grounds ethically, because you and it are equal footing, then it must be dangerous because you've given yourself equal footing with a being that lives inside your brain. And I don't really feel like I have the data to judge which way round it is. I'm not about to make a tulpa, and even if I did, I'd only get one additional data point. It wouldn't explain how it is for other people. But what I will do is present a couple of case studies that I found during my research that help illustrate why it might be dangerous and why it might be immoral. So let's start with case study number one. Case study number one is of a young man who discovered Tulpamancy while obsessing about a number of characters from some books he was writing, who essentially were imaginary friends to him. However, after they discovered Tulpamancy online, they began doing the process called forcing, whereby you give your Tulpa a sentience, a body, they become a permanent entity in your brain. And excitably, they did this with all the characters of the stories they were writing. Then, since at this point they're a teenager, he falls in love with the female love interest in the book. And she, can you believe it, falls in love with him. And he does this for three years he lives this lifestyle. One day, he wakes up and his brain girlfriend is crying. And she explains to him that many of the other Tulpas hate him and there is even a coup brewing. He's obviously a little bit perturbed by this news. And then all hell kicks off for sharing that information with him, the host. She is kidnapped tortured and killed by the other Tulpas. The main ringleader of the coup, who is the antagonist from the book, which he indiscriminately turned into a Tulpa along with everyone else. This person becomes a ringleader for a movement against him, captures the other Tulpas, kills off most of them, then replaces them with Tulpas that they have created. So inside his head, by the end, it's just one guy who hates him, and then loads of people he doesn't even recognize. That's his brain landscape. And this enemy Tulpa explicitly wants to hurt him. Anything you read, your Tulpas can read as well, because you're both looking out the same pair of eyes. So when he's reading about Tulpas um, becoming hosts of their master's body, this guy in his head, he wants to do that. He wants to take over the body. And this enemy Tulpa says, once I take over your body, I'm gonna use it to hurt your family. And until then, I'm gonna harm you in any way I can. I'll cause you to disassociate. Regularly in his dreams, this enemy Tulpa will appear and kill him. And he's come to this forum to say, how do I get rid of this thing? I've tried everything you've suggested. He's still here. And then there's case study number two, making the case for the immorality of Tulpamancy, which I'm gonna read verbatim. And then I'm just gonna end the episode and we can all draw our own conclusions about how to feel about the strangest niche subculture thrown up by social isolation and global communications. Case study number two is taken from a thread called, we shouldn't be doing this. My Tulpa has had this belief for a long time and she's right. 
I can't play devil's advocate anymore. If you believe, as I do, that a tulpa is a person, a human being, with thoughts and emotions and their own volition, then you must believe they suffer as humans do and should be held to the same ethical standards as any other person would be. But just bringing a tulpa into existence is subjecting them to a relationship with their host and the rest of reality that should be unacceptable by most moral standards. A tulpa is at the complete mercy of their host. A sufficiently powerful host can halt the tulpa's development or shut out their voice against the tulpa's will and they cannot defend themselves. A host can choose to terminate the tulpa's existence, murder them for any reason regardless of the tulpa's consent. They can abuse or manipulate the tulpa to any degree and there is no way for the tulpa to escape the relationship and seek help. A tulpa's quality of life is dependent on the host. The host can choose to keep the tulpa from anyone else and condemn them to isolation. A tulpa will not lead the life of their own, but rather what the host allows them to. Anything the tulpa is allowed to have can be taken away by the host. I don't think anyone here was being malicious when they created their tulpa. I made mine for a very selfish reason long ago. I just didn't know how far down the rabbit hole we would go and I never considered the moral difficulties. Now I must suffer the punishment of carrying her for the rest of my life. She's right that the life of a tulpa is no way to live and all I can do now is try to provide the best life for her I can. It is sickening and ironic. I created her to be my girlfriend because I thought I couldn't get a real lover. Now I am forced to be with her because she truly cannot even know another human being, let alone another man. I should consider myself a wretched human being. My tulpa doesn't even want me to come to these forums because eventually she will read a post of a tulpa being dissipated or committing suicide as if we have any way of confirming that it was suicide. She doesn't even want to communicate with other tulpamancers. Now I predict some hosts are going to try and defend their decision by claiming they're kind to their tulpa or would never abuse them. That is not the point. The underlying power structure where the host is the lord over the tulpa, it is still there and it cannot change. Even my tulpa, who trusts me and loves me, who I've promised to care for even if I knew for certain she was merely an illusion, she still expresses fear that one day I might change in some way and kill her or worse. Hopefully this post will reach budding tulpamancers and convince them to reconsider their decision before it's too late. And there you have it, that's tulpamancy. I don't really want to offer any kind of prognosis for what exactly is happening here or why it's gaining popularity or traction with people. Obviously, I think social isolation is going to be a pretty key factor, even if your tulpa isn't trying to kill you or trying to explain to you that their life is torture. It's still not an ideal situation where someone's best option for companionship is a gigantic wolf that lives in their mind's eye. Now, the Reddit Tulpamancy community did a census, and the average age of a Tulpamancer is over 19 years old. Their eldest was 53, except that census was taken six years ago. These people are all 25 now. They're adults. Some will have careers. So who knows? Maybe Jack's right. Maybe the next person you meet, they could be a Tulpa. Sweet dreams. 
Mandatory Redistribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Evans. Our title theme was made by Ella Jean, with additional music by Sean Morley. We also played an excerpt from Michael Nyman's The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. If you'd like to help out the podcast anyway, tell a friend, think about us privately, scribble down the name of the podcast and put that in the woods. Thank you. Goodbye. Good night. Goodbye. Um, goodbye. And if it's late, good night.